Hello, everyone, and welcome to On Your Way to Work, the show that speaks not to business owners, not to managers, and not to employers, but to you, our fellow workers on the workplace floor. I'm your host, Christian Witted, here today with our co-host, Kaylee Green. In our last show, through Rick's interview with Roy Reed, we sought to show you how managing your career with respect to your values could truly lead you to success. And with this show today, we would actually like to show you the opposite. And so today we have for you an interview with Eleanor Millwood. Eleanor has been a professional in the financial services industry for over 30 years. Most recently, she was a retail sales executive directly in control of over 75 separate locations in the northern region of the state of Arizona. Additionally, Eleanor served as a member of the board of directors for Valley of the Sun United Way. Eleanor was one of only 55 Dallas executives selected by the Dallas Regional Chamber of Commerce to participate in Leadership Dallas, an intensive 10-month program of in-depth education on critical issues in the community. And so, Kaylees, any thoughts before we start this show? I think this interview is extraordinarily helpful as well as insightful. Eleanor gives us a rather intimate view of her story, both in victory and in Failure may be too strong of a word, but and not her best choices. And I think that it really provides us as listeners and us who are continuing down our career path some wisdom of what to choose. And there's this one phrase that I want you all to listen for about the most skilled worker will not thrive in the wrong culture. So even before we get into it, just let that begin to ruminate in your mind that that is huge. It doesn't matter how qualified you are, but if you're in the wrong place, you won't do well. So as we talked about our values and our emotional drivers and what promotion means, that phrase captures it so beautifully. And then you get to hear Eleanor's experience of having to learn that through her story. So I'm just really excited for the listener to get a chance to get involved in someone's story who's been in the business for 30 years and on all counts has been extraordinarily successful. I couldn't agree more. Listeners, enjoy the show. So guys, I am pumped to be having an interview today with someone who I've known for a good decade and a half, and we spent some time in war together in the, the banking services industry, Miss Eleanor Millwood. Eleanor, it's good to have you here finally. Rick, it is awesome to be here. I am so honored to have the opportunity to chat with you. Well, thank you so much. Now, uh, for our listeners won't know, but a couple weeks ago, Eleanor and I had the chance uh, down in South Florida to connect and uh, hadn't seen each other in a while and was catching up on careers and uh, sitting in Starbucks there in Plantation. And as I heard Eleanor's story, the moment we were done, she'll tell you, I said, I, I, you, my listeners have got to hear this discussion. Uh, and so um, as you heard Christian and Kaylee's at the top of the hour talk about uh, Eleanor's extensive background, and we're talking three decades here uh, in, in a career path journey. And, and Eleanor, you're at a place where you've really begun reevaluating the decisions uh, or the decision-making you've been making for three decades. 
in a, in what by all accounts is an amazingly successful career. Tell us a little bit about where you are and what's going on right now. Let's pull the listeners in. Thanks, Rick. Thank you so much. Um, you know, as you said, I, I've been given a gift. Very few people get the opportunity that I have where I celebrate almost 30 years of banking and financial services experience. I started when I was two. <laughs> and, and you know, uh, the last 10 to 12 years, whereas my career has grown and I had been mentored, really, developed, I had worked for a boss for 12 years that I learned from that gave me tremendous room to grow, had tremendous confidence in me. I felt valued by my organization. I learned something new every day. I felt that I was part of something bigger than myself and I was considered integral to what was bigger than myself. And I had no idea that I was in that sweet spot where my role was in complete synchronicity with my values. And then I stepped out of that for what appeared to be an amazing opportunity, uh, larger scope, bigger title, huge compensation. And, and I did not make that decision based on what I now know was my values, but I really went along with the common thinking, which is bigger is better. And it is no coincidence that when that opportunity was presented, I was living in Texas. So possibly my judgment was clouded. And so right <laughs> now <laughs> I went for bigger and better and I really have had to sit back and really realize that I didn't ask some key questions. And I certainly did not make that career decision based on values, but I made it based on external measures of success. And so now I've had the privilege of reading your book, which I wish I had got this book five years ago. And I've also had the privilege of taking your assessment. And so now as I entertain opportunities, I know I'm making a value decision with regard to my next step and not, you know, extrinsic decision. And so at this point, it is scary because I have been on a trajectory that has been steadily going up in the last 15 years. And for the first time, I am now happy to report that I had a conversation with a potential employer. And having looked at my resume, she said to me, why would you want to make this move to my organization, which has nothing to do with what you have done? And I was able to say to her that what I have learned is I live in South Florida because I've made a decision that there has to be balance between my work and my life and my life where I live is integral to my sense of stability and personal contentment. I want to dive into some of that before you keep going because you, you're just dropping off these nuggets. We are not going to miss these nuggets. So help me understand this. You have had this amazing career by all accounts, a very, very thriving career. And it sounds like what I heard you say was maybe you weren't aware of it at the time, but your core value, if I understand correctly, was personal security, the idea of team and balance and feeling uh, trusted and feeling like a key player and being able to trust the people you work with, relationships, basically. And if I'm hearing you correctly, for the last 15 years of your trajectory, 12 of those years, you worked for a firm that had a culture that gave that to you, or you worked for a boss who provided that type of culture for you. 
And so, I, you know, it's so good for us to pause and think about that because what do you take for granted the most? What you kind of already have. And so why weren't you aware that you had such awesome culture? Now, I, I, you, you had a bucket load of money come at you. You had a huge scope. You were already, your scope was, you know, hundreds of people. But what made you go from the culture that truly embraced your value set to look at pay or position? You know, uh, as I listen to you and as my thoughts coalesce around what you're asking me, I, I can say very simply, 12 years ago, I was in a role that I thoroughly enjoyed. That was a perfect match for my skills and abilities. And so I mastered the role. And my boss at the time came, sat down with me in my office, uninvited. He just showed up and said, listen, you're number one. And I, I'm here to talk about your career. And so my boss mm -hmm. became my mentor without me asking. He took my career in his hands. He continued to, to really watch me. Sometimes, you know, tough love. I would just get these phone calls and he would just kind of say something nice and kind of point to me in an area where I may have been running off the rails. And so every time I mastered the job I was doing, I did not raise my hand. He identified opportunities for growth. And so I continue to feel valued because I was, and I was valued because I was doing well and I was doing well because I was doing a job where I was just focused on doing well and not looking at the next thing. The next thing was brought to me, um, not knowing that personal security was my core value, had no idea. I was just in the sweet spot where it was just happening. I was at a point in my career where I had done a job that I began to feel insecure not in my boss, but in the role I was doing. Why do you think you felt that? I mean, you were having incredible success. And you're at a different place than maybe some of the listeners, but I think the same instinct applies. Talk to the listeners. They're thinking the same thing. I've thought this thing a million times. Here's the thing. I was valued. I was a key player. And I was a part. I was in a role where my job was to package an organization for sale. Right. And I went through that process for a year and a half uh, on behalf of the organization. But a part of that process, my own role was going to be eliminated. Mm -hmm. And for the first time in my career, I had the sense of, oh, my goodness, what happens to me when this is done? And because I was valued, because I trusted my boss, I did not doubt I would find a place to land. I was just worried about would I want the place that was available to me? And so in the middle of that sense of unease, um, taking for granted the personal security that I had enjoyed, not even knowing that I was enjoying personal security and how valuable it was to me, a recruiter reached out to me and presented an opportunity, a larger role in a bigger organization comparative to the one I was in at that time. And because there were no push factors, I was happy with my boss. I was happy with the organization, but there were pull factors. I was being offered the thing that I was lacking at that point, which was a sense of safety in my job, not in my boss relationship, but in my job. And they offered me a lateral move, the job I was doing just on a larger scale. So I sensed no risk and 
they were prepared to give me an attractive compensation uh, package and I went for it. So I, I went for pay and position, not realizing that personal security was way more important. I did not ask any personal security questions because I was completely unaware of its importance to me. Because I was being invited to do a job I could do with my eyes closed, I did not realize that the most skilled person in the wrong culture is not going to be successful. Oh, man. I love the phrase you use. There was nothing pushing me out of the door where I was. Push factors, pull factors. This is something we should be looking for. Is there a reason to leave the culture you're in, the organization you're in? And I'm not saying there, there are not. There may be reasons, but really evaluate. Is something pushing you out the door or are you being drawn to something else? So just listening to you, here's what I heard, Eleanor. I've always known that what a promotion means is I got a bigger something. Mm -hmm. And so it sounds to me, and I see this happen so often to people in their careers, on their career path, you know, they get to the place and because the next thing or the next rung on the ladder doesn't present itself, they go looking for the ladder. Using your words, there is nothing pushing them away, but because they don't see the rung on the ladder, they start pulling towards something else. So talk to us about kind of your concept of what a promotion was then versus now. So now you've taken the career with assessment. By the way, thank you so much for taking that. No, no. I now feel empowered to make career decisions. And so thank you. Well, and guys, you're hearing that from a 30-year veteran who probably knows more than me. She's saying, you know what? I got it wrong. I, I managed to have a successful career, but I got it wrong. Mm -hmm. So where were you emotionally? Because I say to the listeners all the time, work is emotional, much more than we realize because we're often using work to answer a larger question. Is my life moving forward? We say the words career progression, but emotionally what we're experiencing is a life progression crisis or euphoria or whatever. But we're really talking about the measurement of our life. So walk through the emotion of where you are when you realize you've made a decision based on pay or position. And now the thing that really caused your success, the culture and the relationships and mentoring you were able to build, you realize now, man, I chose the wrong P. I just chose the wrong promotion. Where are you emotionally when you, when you went through that moment? I have to say I had a literal panic attack. And, um, wow. you know, if your listeners have experienced a panic attack, it's when you're in your sleep and the beating of your heart wakes you up. That's what a panic attack is. And I realized that I had gone to bed thinking about, I was in the middle of an existential crisis. My career defined me. It really did. You know, I'm blessed with, with a loving family, two great children, well, adults, who are truly my, my friends. Um, we, we have an amazing relationship. I count my blessings every single day. Um, but I was defined by my work, my success. It was like breathing for me. I had always done well. I had always mastered jobs. I had never posted or applied for a job in my life. I was always tapped because I was genuinely never looking for the next best thing. 
I was always just focused on doing what I was doing and I was enjoying it because I was doing a job that was a fit for my natural skills and abilities and I loved going to work every single day. And then I felt insecure. I allowed that insecurity of job to minimize the importance of relationship with my boss and his mentoring. And I found myself in a job where I was getting more money than I'd ever made in my life. I had a huge position. I was sitting on multiple boards. However, I had taken for granted that I had worked for 12 years for a boss that I learned something from him every single day. I worked for a boss who valued me, had taken the time to form a relationship with me, had managed me in a way that was appropriate for my persona and managed my peers in a different manner, was able to always connect the strategic direction of the company to the goals and expectations of my role, and was my biggest advocate, was my biggest advocate. And I was now in a situation where all of that was gone, and I lost my sense of feeling valued. Everything I did was being questioned because of a lack of an understanding of me. And so I, as I was in the middle of an existential crisis, and I was forced to realize that, my goodness, my work is defining me. So if my work is not going well, does that mean my entire life is not going well? And so uh, at that point, fortunately for me, I had a conversation with one of my siblings who is a trained professional who actually kind of shook me metaphorically and said to me, you cannot keep doing this. You will succeed because you are determined and you do not lose, but you're going to pay an emotional price for it. And so when I got the opportunity to reevaluate my career, I grabbed it like a lifeline and, and I jumped off the cliff and I landed at the bottom of the precipice and texted my good friend Rick Whitted to say, <laughs> buddy, what do I do now? And lo and behold, he handed me a book. <laughs> well, I'd say a couple things. First, when you've already got three or four folks tracking you down, it's not a precipice. But <laughs> but I know how much of a competitor and go-getter you are, so it probably feels like one to you. So, so be encouraged that uh, you are no less uh, a commodity, for sure. You know, you you had a moment in here where you realized you'd made a wrong decision. The thing that struck me the most when I spoke with you was I never heard you blame anyone. I've never heard that. Even to this moment in this conversation, you owned your decision. Put back on that corporate exec hat for a second, having managed many people. Talk a little bit about owning the decisions you make and how that is viewed by a leader, someone who's going to make a decision about your career. You know, Rick, at the end of the day, an offer was made, but I accepted it. I was not forced. I was in a job, didn't have to make the move. And I I did not do my due diligence. And I did not do my due diligence because I led with my emotions rather than my brain. And, um, you know, as they say, I, you know, I was shooting blind. And so the decision to leave a situation that was in congruence with my values and to step into another situation 
without checking to see whether the key things that were critical to me and my success were in place, I own that. Uh, nobody did anything to me. Everybody was being themselves. It was just a bad fit for me. And I would have found that out had I asked some salient questions, which I'm now armed with. Um, you know, everybody, you know, be you entry level, mid-level or senior level about to retire, we own our careers. We absolutely do. And it's our job to understand what does success look like. But more importantly, what is important to me? What makes me happy? I know for sure that I need a lot of personal freedom to, to lead. I need clarity about the strategic mission. I need clarity about what success looks like. And then I want to be left alone to develop my own plan, to execute it. I would like to know that resources are available if I ask for it. Um, but I do not want to be offered help unless I ask you. And I do want to be allowed to have my plan work. Um, and so each of us really needs to own that. What I what makes me happy and how I do well, nobody can read my mind. If it's not working for me, I cannot say this is a bad situation unless I've raised my hand to say, you know, hey, this is not working for me. So nobody is to blame for me making the decision to take a position that landed me in a culture and in relationships that were incongruent with who I was. Well, you know what? what's interesting, um, Eleanor, is that is the commercial for what a promotion is, right? And so I, I would just say to the listeners, you just really need to be aware of how powerfully strong that is. I mean, everything we hear says, you know, work hard, do this, and you're going to get a bigger this one day. And I've said this quite often. i got to write a book on this. But the idea of a corporate ladder it's a big myth. First of all, m most organizations that are very successful are constantly looking for ways to flatten and mm -hmm. take the bottom uh, entry uh, level to the client and make it closer to the top mm -hmm. of the house. First of all, that, that allows us to have a quicker line sight to the client, to what's going on, and it, and it saves a ton of money to not have multiple layers. So listeners, most of the career land that you're walking into in this day and age is not one where there are 25, 30 rungs on the ladder. There may be five where there used to be 25. And so it's not a ladder, it's a pyramid. And you may have to master five or six of the bricks on the bottom layer just to be able to handle three on the next layer. Right. And you've got to know all of those five on the bottom, all of those three on the next, just to be able to handle two at the next le level. And so if if you're making career decisions or even worse than that, if you are filtering how you feel about your career. And let me give you a disclaimer that usually results in you feeling a certain way about your own life. If you're if that's the filter you're using then you're really putting yourself in a very difficult spot. And, you know, uh, the American Psychological Association does a great survey on, on stress in America. And the number one stressor is money. Number two, very close behind it is work. And work beats out family, family health, family responsibility, personal health, things that we say we work for. 
And yet, emotionally, work has this big tug on us that just emotionally creates more stress than even those that are dearest to us and things that are the most important to us, like our health. Here's what I love about what you did, Eleanor. You made a decision to follow the value. Mm -hmm. That's really hard to do. And so I've got some people listening right now going, yeah, that's great. She's a corporate exec. She's probably got way more money than I, and she's got people she can go to. And that's not me. I'm not making, you know, X amount of dollars in, you know, there's this great opportunity that I can take advantage of. Why shouldn't I go? So why don't you speak to that, you know, as, as we, uh, we wrap up here? I would say I can understand that. The sense of, you know, she's in a different place, uh, $10,000 more on my pay, you know, is life transforming. But what I know for sure is that a bigger job with more money that is incongruent with who you are, you will not succeed because we bring to our jobs who we are, not what we do. And if we are in a state of dissonance, meaning the culture doesn't feel right, my boss is, you know, leading me in a way that does not resonate with what makes me feel good about getting up in the morning, it's going to affect our performance. We're going to have buyer's remorse. It's going to come out as disengagement. We will be seen as lacking motivation. If we're not motivated, we're not going to be performing. And all of a sudden, we are no longer valued. And then our job becomes insecure because, uh, as you point out, Ray, organizations are now really becoming very aggressive about the ROI, the return on investment of hiring someone because the stakes are so high. And so greater skill, greater knowledge, and a faster runway between hire and success is all, you know, that's what happens now. And as I learned, being talented and knowledgeable, if you're in the wrong situation, you will not be successful. You just will not be successful because we are tangible. What people can see, our skills, our knowledge, and who we are, and we are intangible. Our feelings, our motivation, our commitment, all of that, you know, is who we are at the job. So regardless of where you are, if you want to be successful and be able to pay those bills and be able to have a career, which we need to pay our bills, you have to be in a job that optimizes your ability to perform. And optimizing your ability to perform is being a job that's the right job for you. Not just the right fit for your skills and talents, but the right fit for who you are fundamentally. What makes you tick? What makes you feel motivated, happy, excited? What would make you show up even if you weren't getting paid? Because even if you're getting paid, if you are miserable and the thought of going into that place tomorrow makes you you know, want to scratch your eyes out, then you're just not going to be performing. And, you know, it's a, they say your brand is what people say about you when you are not in the room. Well said. And if you are disengaged, demotivated, miserable, your brand is that you're you know, low-keyed, difficult to work with, always negative, not a team player, all because you're miserable. Right. And you, you, you generate that energy. It, it, le it enters the room before you, your disaffection. So, yes, I'm a corporate executive. Yes, I've been doing this a long time. But for most of my career, I was privileged 
to work for what I can say without fear of contradiction is the best boss I've ever worked for. And I had no idea that he was providing me my core value until I stepped away from that relationship into a situation where I had a title, I had compensation, but my core values were not being met. And I, for the first time in my career, hated getting up in the morning. I could do the job with my eyes closed and my hands tied behind my back. And I was gnashing my teeth to powder on a daily basis. Wow. Wow. You know, that that's, boy, I sure hate to end this. What a great way and what's what great counsel for 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 you listeners to to. I hope you're picking up what she's putting down here. It is it is insightful and it it can change your career. And here's what I'd say to you as, as we wrap up here uh, with you, Eleanor. Our career path journeys, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, we're going to start on average between 18 and 21. And on average, those today near retirement age say they're going to retire around 66. That's a four and a half decade journey. And I would say to you, no matter where you are on that journey, you've got a good decade and a half to go. And what I would say to you is no matter where you are, we're not giving you an invitation to start looking for another job. But really stop and assess, what are my core values? Go to CareerWit, CareerWHITT.com. Take the CareerWit assessment. It's going to help you identify what's your value uh, for careers. Is it position? Is it pay? Is it personal security or personal satisfaction? And it'll walk you through what those mean. Eleanor, it has been great. I appreciate you coming on and really being honest with the folks and and spending time with me. It's good to see you again. It is wonderful. Thank you so much. Listeners, thank you for tuning in today. If you had any questions or comments on this show or any previous show, or you just want to get connected, you can check us out at facebook.com forward slash rawitted. Tweet us at rawitted or email us at rick at rawitted.com. And if this show has helped you in any way, please take a moment and leave us a rate and a review on iTunes. We love hearing from you all and your feedback can only make us better. Once again, thank you for tuning in and we'll see you at the next episode.